0: I just, what flavor is Bill and Ted's cereal?
1: I don't know, but I, I can guarantee you the flavor now, if you buy that off of eBay and try to eat it, is going to be uh, the flavor of a trip to the ER.
0: Mm, the flavor of pre-vomit.
1: everybody and welcome to super sci-fi party my name is todd kay and i'm here with my partner in sci-fi crime scott kay how are you doing today scott
0: doing well considering the state of things
1: speaking of the state of things if you're concerned about us not observing social distancing by recording this podcast uh, be, seeing as it is a giant sci-fi party uh, i'd like to tell you that scott and i are actually the only two human beings at the party so we're the <laughs> we're the only ones susceptible to covid the androids the robots the aliens they they don't have to worry <laughs> very true they're very all true. good especially the one that has the built-in mask on his face that sounds like this <laughs> he's all good <laughs> and uh for the next for the next uh, 45 minutes or so we are here bring the fun. This is Super Sci-Fi Party and the F in Sci-Fi stands for fun. Uh, The reason we started this podcast is because we were tired of seeing commercials like this. In a world that is completely destroyed by some kind of man-made phenomenon that they should have seen coming but didn't. (laughs) Everything is almost dead, but a few people have survived. And their costumes are all dirty all the time because it costs less budget to make dirty costumes. We just throw them on the ground at the end of the night instead of washing them. (laughs) When we want to do makeup jobs, we just push people's face in the dirt. It's called post-apocalyptic and everything sci-fi from 2010 on has to be post-apocalyptic. And we were just, we were tired of it. I know there's some really great sci-fi that is post-apocalyptic and we love some of it, but... It gets old. Everything has to be super serious and super downer. And we said, no, enough. There's a lot of really great, fun sci-fi out there, and we are going to talk about it today. Starting with uh, one of the best examples possible, one of the best examples of fun sci-fi that has ever existed, in my opinion. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is a movie from 1989.
0: How are you looking forward to this one, Scott? Oh, yeah. Loved Bill and Ted growing
1: up and still love it today. As do I. But before we get going on Bill and Ted, uh, it's time for us to do the Super Sci-Fi Party community calendar. We have absolutely nothing to announce because everything is shut down due to COVID. But... If you have an event coming up, I know some states are opening up in the United States and some other countries are, have been open for a little bit. Give us a shout at Party at sci-fiparty.com. And uh, if you have an independent sci-fi event or product or work of art that you made, let us know about it. And maybe we'll talk about it on the air. That's Party at SuperSciFiParty.com. And remember, sci-fi has a hyphen in the middle. Moving on, we're here today to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is a comedy sci-fi movie that was released February 17th, 1989. It was released by Orion Pictures. Uh, The director was Stephen Herrick. And Stephen Herrick has also directed Critters. Did you ever see Critters, Scott?
0: I believe I did, but I don't remember a lot about it. I mean, mean, the the cover at the video store is like... It had a little blue furry ball with teeth and fangs. Like from Star Trek, but evil? Yes, tribbles.
1: Evil evil tribbles. I don't know. I I saw Critters a long time ago, but I I don't recall either. Um, Stephen Herrick has also directed Mr. Holland's Opus and the TV show MacGyver, which is the remake, the most current one, Uh, which we saw a few episodes of, I think. Sounds right. Uh, The movie stars someone that you have definitely never heard of named Keanu Reeves. And someone that uh, you might have heard of called Alex Winder. Alex Winder, of course, is most famous for Bill & Ted. Uh, but he was also at Lost Boys, and he does directing, and he does voiceover work. Not nearly as famous as his partner in Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Keanu Reeves, who, of course, is known for the Matrix trilogy, Speed, Point Break, Constantine, The Replacements, and more recently, John Wick. I don't think anyone's ever heard of those movies. John Wick? They, don't, they don't just keep making them until, the, until they turn people upside down and just shake the cash out of their pockets <laughs> for more sequels. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure had a budget of $10 million and had a box office of $40.5 million, and those are both U.S. dollars. So it made four times its budget. Nice. That's not bad. Uh, I'd take it. I'd take four <laughs> times my salary. Yeah, I would get on the ground and cry like a baby, <laughs> weeping for joy,
0: sweet, sweet capitalist joy. So at the time, Bill and Ted came out. Uh, other movies that were in theaters were Wicked Stepmother, the comedy fantasy, Sleepaway Camp Three. Teenage Wasteland.
1: I remember Sleepaway Camp 1. It had the big (laughs) shocking ending. If you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, uh, I highly recommend it just for the surprise ending. See, The Fly 2. Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Has to be said. Major League. And then The Burbs. The Burbs. That was a strange little movie. Uh, Tom Hanks was in that movie, I believe. Yes. That was an odd one for Tom Hanks. The uh, premise for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, in the year 2688, humanity has achieved the dream of being a utopian society. The reason this paradise exists is directly due to the influence of a rock band who originated in the late 19th century called Wild Stallions. And Wild Stallions is spelled W-Y-L-D-S-T-A-L-L-Y-N-S because it makes it more wild. (laughs) definitely Wild Stallions was created by two dim-witted teenagers and best friends from Southern California named Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan the movie starts with a time paradox in which Bill and Ted are failing history class although that's not the actual time paradox that's the beginning (laughs) of the time paradox Uh, they're doing a final project together for class and if they fail Ted's father is going to send Ted to an Alaska military academy, which means the band Wild Stallions will never reach superstar status, which therefore means the entire basis of the future utopian society will be lost. In order to save their society, the people from the future send an agent named Rufus back through time to help Bill and Ted. Rufus brings Bill and Ted a time machine shaped like a phone booth, that they can use to travel back in time to meet historical figures who might be useful to them in creating their final project for history class. It sounds, sounds like a standard sci-fi movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, not... <laughs> yeah, definitely basic stuff. Not in any way, shape, or form. It sounds crazy, but it makes a lot of sense when you watch it, or at least as much sense as any time travel movie can. <laughs> um, it still has the, the huge plot holes and paradoxes that all time travel... Travel movies have, but uh, it is delightful. It is comedy gold. It makes you happy to watch it. And it is one of the finest examples of fun sci-fi that has ever existed. If you're watching the movie and you make it through the introduction with a very 80s uh, opening song, uh, you immediately know that this movie is going to be fun. A character comes on the screen who is actually uh, Rufus from the future, and uh, his opening speech tells you everything you need to know. Hi, welcome to the future. San Dimas, California, 2688. And I'm telling you, it's great here. The air is clean. The water is clean. Even the dirt is clean. Bowling averages are way up. Mini golf scores are way down. And we have more excellent water slides than any other planet we communicate with. I was awesome. sold the minute I heard that. <laughs> when I was watching the beginning, they mentioned mini golf, water slides. I was in. I was like, I don't know what this crazy sci-fi movie is talking about, but I'm in. Shaking your head doesn't work great on a podcast, does it? Yeah. Can you tell that it's our first one? You're gonna have to shake your heads harder, audience, because I can't hear them. (laughs) Shake them harder. Right now, everybody's thrashing out there in their cars. I wish they were. That would be the best of all worlds. (laughs) Once the film gets through its little its little introduction, um. The para- the time paradoxes start immediately. Even though it's the most fun introduction of, I think, any sci-fi film ever made, um, a future society where they care about mini golf and water slides is a future society I want to live in.
0: Well, if memory serves, they
1: also get to talk
0: to animals. Like Common household pets, dogs, cats.
1: Oh, yeah. There's so an extended version of that speech where he goes on and on. But... uh The gist of it is the future is great, and it's awesome, and it's super fun, and the whole thing is based upon the music and teachings of these two high school kids from the 1980s called Bill and Ted. (laughs) Apparently, they start a band called Wild Stallions, and uh, somehow the future of 2688 is based on, uh, on them and their band. At the beginning of the movie, oh, in case you don't know, of course, there's going to be major spoilers. Uh, Ooh, anytime a yes. podcast breaks down a movie, you can expect spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie yet, stop the podcast now and go watch it. Or if you want to watch it with more context, feel free to listen first. But the movie kicks off with a time paradox because he, Rufus gives the introduction. The question becomes if Bill and Ted were going to fail their history class without Rufus's help, And without him being sent back in time to help them, then how is their utopian society formed so that Rufus could exist to be sent back to help them? (laughs) Boom. Time paradox right off the start. Well, it's it's time travel. What do you do? Exactly. But the great thing is Bill and Ted, as a movie, as a structure, they don't take it too seriously. They don't don't explain a whole lot about, about anything regarding the science fiction. It's just this is the way it is. We're going to get on with having fun.
0: Yeah, and that actually works very well for the movie.
1: It really does. Uh, Also, paradox number two, speaking of Rufus and the introduction, if you pay close attention, Bill and Ted fans, uh, Rufus never introduces himself to Bill and Ted. Rufus is introduced to Bill and Ted by future versions of Bill and Ted who cross paths just as their time travel adventure is starting. So he, he never actually introduces himself, but somehow the future versions of them introduce him to the old versions of them. <laughs> like you said, Time Paradox? Time Paradox! It's, it's tough not to love this movie. I mean, we're going to break down more of the plot line, but it, this movie features bowling with Napoleon, aerobics with Joan of Arc, a barroom brawl of the Old West, destroying a sporting goods store with Genghis Khan, it doesn't get more fun as far as sci-fi, in my opinion, than Bill and Ted. Uh, when, when the movie starts, Wild Stallions, which is just Bill and Ted, they don't actually have, who are both guitar players, slash singers, I guess. It's never really stated.
0: And yet they have a drum set and keyboard <laughs> in the background.
1: They do. Because everyone who starts a band just buys an entire drum set and a keyboard to sit in the background and do nothing while they're waiting to find a drum and a keyboardist. You know, musical
0: instruments are notoriously affordable. Right? Who,
1: who will probably already <laughs> have their own instruments that they'll want to use, so you'll just get to move those out of the way. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but again, Bill and Ted doesn't worry about things like that. That's not the whole point of the movie. But uh, when it when it kicks off, they're having band practice in the garage, which is just them um, annihilating their guitars. <laughs> they clearly don't know how to play, and they're just mashing the picks onto them and. Uh, basically somehow they play so poorly that they fry their amplifiers. (laughs) Now I did not know. (laughs) I guess I've always been too talented pat on the back. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, everybody starts out really, really bad as did I, but somehow they are so extra bad that it literally fries their amps. Smoke comes out a giant thing of, of reverb or sorry, feedback. And uh, their amplifiers are dead just because they play so poorly. It, it is odd, yeah. And this is the band that the whole future society is based on somehow. And that's, that's what makes the movie intriguing. As the story goes along and they're starting to get uh, queued up, first they set up the whole premise that they're going to fail their history class. And it shows them in school and they ask who Joan of Arc is. And Ted says, Noah's wife? <laughs> there's a a certain kind of logic there, but it, uh, yeah, so they're terrible students. Uh, we show a little bit of Bill and Ted at home where they're talking about how their, their teacher tech gives them an ultimatum. Your project better be something really special. If you want to pass this class, Ted's dad has made it clear to him that if he does not pass the class, he is being shipped off to an Alaskan military Academy, which is the last place you want to go. If you're, uh, Surfer Valley kid from the 1980s. Although they sure. talk like surfers, but I, you never actually see them surf. Nope. Well, only kind of
0: water you see is what a water slide?
1: That's right. Uh, hmm. Water fountains at the mall. There's no, but they talk exactly like uh, stereotypical 80s surfer guys or valley guys, I guess you could call them. Um, speaking of stereotypical, Bill's stepmom is uh, basically a 1980s music video vixen who apparently was, was Bill's dad's second wife, who, in fact, was a senior in high school while Bill and Ted were freshmen. The comedy kicks off right away. Yeah, that is
0: actually one of my favorite quotes from the movies when they first introduce uh, Missy. Bill's mom. Yep. Stepmom. And Ted's like, I think your mom's cute, Bill. And for some
1: reason, that just always made me laugh. <laughs> And he always calls her Missy, and then she gives him an evil look. And he goes, "Mom." Of course, when we start when we start talking about um, the time travel device itself, uh, they went highly original. And the time travel device um, that is given to them from the future to help save the future's own past <laughs> is a phone booth. Uh, for those of you not born long enough ago to to know, um, if you. In the early days, or the sorry, the late days of the 20th century, if you wanted to use a phone in public, there was a small closet-sized booth that contained a phone that had a wire to it hook, hooked to the inside of the booth, and that was the only way you could make calls. People, Most people did not have cell phones. Um, cell phones were something only the incredibly rich had at the time. This movie was made. or were just, it was, They were just starting to come down in price to be affordable. Uh, by the mid '90s or so, so the whole premise is phone booth, and of course, fans of sci-fi will immediately call out uh, that is the same time travel device used in the very long-running sci-fi classic Doctor Who. They didn't even try; <laughs> they didn't even try to make it something else. They're just like, uh, phone booth, time travel. Everyone's gonna get it. <laughs> Although, very true. Very true. You might not know this, but the movie's original title was actually Bill and Ted's Time Van, which featured a 28-year-old sophomore named Rufus who had an intelligent talking dog named Dog Rufus. What? Yep. Originally, it was going to be Bill and Ted's Time Van, which makes wow. you wonder. Um, Bill and Ted are actually name-dropped in um, Marvel Avengers Endgame. They're oh, yeah. going to do time travel, and they're talking about different... Different ways that time paradoxes work and Bill and Ted is referenced. And you notice that Marvel is using a time travel van. So I wonder <laughs> if there's any coincidence there. I don't wow.
0: know. Wow, that's crazy.
1: But originally it was Bill and Ted's time van. And the the whole the whole thing, the whole premise for Bill and Ted actually started. Um, the two writers of Bill and Ted actually used to do comedy, stand-up comedy improv. And they had uh, the character Bill and Ted. And then there was apparently a third character named Bob. They were all kind of crazy, crazy surfer guys, or, or valley guys. And uh, so if, they, if it had not evolved as the script came along, it would have been called Bill and Ted and Bob's time van. Yeah, kind of glad they dropped Bob. Yeah, I'm thinking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is far more classic. <laughs> He can't even imagine how Bob would have fit in. <laughs> Bill and Ted and Bob. As we mentioned before, Bill and Ted does not go into a lot of detail about how the technology works and the big, the whole time travel thing. Usually when you're watching a sci-fi movie about time travel, half the movie is set up to explain how someone miraculously invented time travel. True. Bill and Ted skip all True. of that. They're like, no, no, we don't care. Uh, someone is, I forget if it's Bill or Ted, asks Rufus how it all works. And Rufus's reply is modern technology. I believe it's Bill. He says modern technology, William. Yep. Exactly. To enjoy the movie, you just kind of have to dispense with a bit of logic uh, and just accept that time paradoxes exist and plot holes exist and plot armor exists. Um, and Bill and Ted is full, full of all three of those <laughs> concepts. The plot armor is. Uh, it coincides with literal armor at one point uh, when basically Bill and Ted, in order to, to make an awesome history project, they're given the time booth so they can go back in time to different historical periods and meet historical figures who are going to give them information that they can use in their project. Although this isn't exactly what they do, but this is the premise that they were given. They start off in the Old West in my opinion, the uh, old west town part of Bill and Ted is kind of the low point in the movie, even though it's the first historical place that they go to. It kinda looks like they they were able to get a cheap Western town because those are there are sets built around the country that have that already are old West towns, quote unquote. And I think it was just probably money saving for them to go in and do uh, there's a poker game, there's a barroom old West Barroom Brawl. Fart jokes. It's kind of it's, it's not their best stop. If they, I like all the other historical stops better than their very first one. So if you're watching the movie and you get to the first time travel stop and you're kind of on the fence, stick with it because it gets better. Uh, the next place they go is...
0: Next place is ancient Greece to pick up Socrates.
1: That's right. They find Socrates. Uh, they hang out in ancient Greece. And we're not going to hit all their time periods. But uh, when I was speaking to plot holes, uh, paradoxes, and plot armor galore, at some point they're in medieval England. And one of them falls on the floor. And a medieval soldier comes up and stabs him. And we are led to believe he's dead. And it turns out later uh, that he is not dead. And he says, I fell out of my armor when I hit the floor. (laughs) So it was literal plot (laughs) armor.
0: Well, you can't really have a main star get killed off halfway through the movie, right?
1: <laughs> Indeed, you cannot
0: at least not if it's fun sci-fi.
1: Well, yeah, in regular what what passes for regular sci-fi today, uh, you can have the main character get killed at the end of the first episode, and yeah <laughs> two or three of his relatives in the next episode, and someone can slowly die of radiation poisoning and you're like, all you the sh- happy, cheery stuff. <laughs> you're like, yay. Sci-fi. Uh, there's a lot to like in this movie. We're not going to give you a scene-by-scene breakdown because we really hope that you watch it if you don't already know it. Plot holes aside, um, the actual rest of the plot in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is that instead of going back and getting information from the historical figures and writing a report, because let's face it, it's, I think it's kind of beyond Bill and Ted's ability to write <laughs> A report that's really special in the terms of their teacher of what it would take to pass the class. So instead of doing that, they're actually convincing historical figures to go back with them to the (laughs) 1980s and be in their presentation. Uh,
0: Convincing is uh, a little misnomer (laughs) there. They outright kidnap
1: people. (laughs) Well, some some people are convinced and some people are straight up kidnapped. You're right. Yeah. So they're, you know, instead of getting information for their project, they're uh, kidnapping people, historical figures. (laughs) Um, And this leads, of course, as you can expect, to all kinds of fun calamity. Calamities? What is the plural of calamity? Calamities? Calamity? I don't know. Yeah. No one cares. (laughs) So they're having all kinds of crazy adventures. Let's say, for example, you ever wanted to see Napoleon Bonaparte. Interacting with 1980s society. You get to see plenty of that in Bill and Ted's <laughs> excellent adventure, including a double date and going bowling and going down a water slide. It's awesome. Which he seems to enjoy very, very much. Um, so, Bill and Ted are going through time collecting all historical figures. And eventually, after many calamities and uh, many fun interactions, They come back to the present, which in this movie is late 1980s, and they take all the historical figures to a shopping mall and let them run through the mall and experience everything that the 1980s has to offer. And you get to see interactions, and it's a lot of fun. And eventually, they take the historical figures to their high school. And there's a little bit of time jumping and a little bit of more time paradoxes to make everything work the way they want it to. But eventually they give a giant presentation for their history class, which is apparently that history class was giving presentations in the auditorium.
0: Yeah, it seemed like there might have been three or four classes worth all doing the
1: presentations together. It was very convenient, plot armor. (laughs) that uh, they happen to be on a stage where everyone else just stands there and reads at a podium. Yeah. And they in fact bring the historical figures in and they uh, use time travel to give themselves time to do uh stage light lighting and robo lights and special effects and smoke and whatnot. <laughs> and they put on the greatest, basically the greatest uh, history presentation that the school has ever seen. And, They accomplish their goal of passing history. They do not have to split up. Ted does not have to go to the Alaskan Military Academy. And that's more or less the end of the movie. It's tough to oversell how fun Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is. So uh, what we did is we went and made our top three most fun moments. Top three fun moments. Top three most fun. That's right. We haven't had time to make music for the top top three most fun yet. Oh, that
0: is the music from now on.
1: Um, But Scott and I both made separate lists. We have not seen each other's lists, Um, so we're going to go with what we both think are the top three most fun moments in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. On my top three most fun moments, number one is when Bill and Ted actually arrive in medieval England and they're dressed like knights in full plate mail armor with swords. They start having to pretend lightsaber battle. Oh, yes. Because what else would you do if you had time-traveled <laughs> to England and you were sneaking around a castle in which you didn't belong and you put on some plate mail with swords? You would have to have a fake lightsaber battles, complete with uh, mouth-created sound effects. <laughs> uh, it's basically comedy
0: gold. It really is. And to pile on to that, that actually got one of my top quotes. Where they just started, as you mentioned, the lightsaber battle, and then uh this Bill announces his line, "I am Luke Bill," and then Whap hits Ted in the head with a sword. It's just-
1: it sounds totally juvenile, and you are correct. Oh yeah, because because if you can't if you can't lighten up and enjoy some teenagers bashing each other with swords while they talk about Star Wars, then. Uh, you're probably not going to get this movie. I'd say a little slapstick, but it works. Uh, My number two most fun moment would be when Billy the Kid and Socrates have been transported to the 1980s uh, and they have been taken to the mall to experience 1980s culture. And they're actually, uh, Billy the Kid and Socrates are hitting on mall girls together. (laughs) Or mall Mall ladies.
0: No, they were definitely girls.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a cringe factor, but not too bad because it's no, no one's taking it seriously. Uh, Billy the Kid is showing her one of his wanted posters. And everything seems to be going well until Sigmund Freud walks up and makes an inappropriate comment, only the kind that Sigmund Freud can, and uh, the girls laugh and leave them to their lonesome.
0: Yep, my number two top moment, follows that up nicely, is when Genghis Khan is in the sporting goods shop. He came with them, he's got this ancient wood club thing, and then he gets in in there, he sees the aluminum baseball bat, lightweight, stronger than his normal club, and he just starts going to town on this uh, mannequin that's in the store. It is is truly wonderful. I believe there's a a skateboard and a trampoline involved in there at one point.
1: He decimates the sporting goods store, and it's a beautiful (laughs) thing to behold. Oh yes that is a good one Um, my number three most top fun three moments in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is when Napoleon goes to a water park and then later in their presentation at the school um, Napoleon's part in the presentation is to show kids battle plans that he has designed and his battle plans now include two giant water slides (laughs) which no one thinks is going to work but uh Since he's Napoleon, no one can tell him otherwise. That is true. Water slide! (laughs) So it doesn't get more fun than Napoleon using water slides for battle plans. How about your number three?
0: Uh, My number three actually ends up being literally the end of the movie, where Rufus has rejoined Bill and Ted in a garage... He has gifted them with shiny new guitars and bandmates in the form of the princesses. And then they're like, all right, let's jam. And they start to jam, and it is just utter noise and garbage. And then Rufus looks up at the camera and says,
1: they do get better. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Bill and Ted actually meet in medieval England. They meet two princesses who are going to be married to quote-unquote royal ugly dudes. <laughs> To make a long story short, Rufus rescues the princesses through the use of time travel and brings them to meet with Bill and Ted, and apparently the princesses are actually the drummer and keyboardist of their band, Wild Stallions.
0: Convenient, yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's all ramping up at the end, like you said. It looks like it's going to be the start of an 80s music video montage or big ending sequence where the band jams and is amazing. And no, everyone is absolutely terrible. Because we fully expected that princesses from medieval England would be able to play a drum kit. <laughs> and like, a keyboard. Like the keyboard, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Mm, yeah. Harps, chord, whatever. But, uh, yeah. They were absolutely terrible. And they say, and he says, trust me, they do get better. It's kind of a classic ending. Um, there's so many things. I actually had more than three for this particular movie of fun moments. Um, there's when Ted looks at Bill... And says uh, your stepmom is cute Remember when I asked her to the prom (laughs) When he was a freshman and she was a senior Uh, Ah good time There's a point where Instead of going through history Bill Bill and Ted actually damage The uh, time machine and they go into the future And you can see A brief scene where the entire future Is based off of Bill and Ted Which is funny to see because it's all Adults and serious looking At least for the 80's serious looking sci-fi types who are all using terms like excellent and bogus and doing air guitar in the air has become some kind of standardized greeting in 2688. Um, So much good fun content. Um, Into Every Life, a little bit of Rain Must Fall. Uh, So as far as not fun moments in Bill and Ted, I only have really one, and I don't want to spend too long on it, but uh, there is use of a homophobic slur Oh, yeah. Um, which is certainly not aged well. Not that it was uh, acceptable then, uh, just as it would be even less acceptable now. But um, after their epic sword battle in medieval England, uh, and as we mentioned earlier, Ted falls out of his armor and somebody stabs the armor, and Bill thinks Ted's still in the armor. Uh, to make a long story short, it turns out they're not dead and they see each other and being best friends. And partners in their band, they are happy to see that the other's alive. and They hug each other, and then they immediately push back and use a homophobic slurry because they can't handle their own. Uh, the term bromance did not exist <laughs> back in very true. Back in very the 80s. True. Nowadays, they would have just said, cool, bromance, high five. But uh, it is the one not fun moment in Bill and Ted, um, and hopefully we will not be seeing that Uh, in future Bill & Teds. Speaking of future installments of Bill & Ted, um, Bill & Ted was was very popular at the time and made four times its money back. And they did make a sequel called Bill & Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, They also made a short-lived Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventures live-action series, which only lasted seven episodes. Uh, They did Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventures animated series, which was also short-lived and had the awesome theme song, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. The song's really cool, but the show was bad. <laughs> it was definitely geared towards kids
0: and getting them interested <laughs> in history.
1: Yeah, maybe that's not exactly how the song went, but it went something like that. Uh, there were multiple Bill and Ted comic books. There were Bill and Ted video games, including uh, Game for the Game Boy, the NES, Atari Lynx, Amiga, Commodore 64. Uh, and something that uh, my co-host Scott and I saw live up close <laughs> and in person is, is it turns out there was an annual Bill and Ted show during Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios theme parks for years and years and years after the movie. Uh, more than a decade, actually. I think it just ended in 2016. Uh, it was in Halloween Horror Nights at uh, Universal Studios in Florida and in Hollywood, Um, And it was basically, they used Bill and Ted as narrators to kind of take comical jabs at everything in popular culture from the year before.
0: A little bit of a variety show. There was a lot of singing and dancing. and There there was a story subtly woven in, but...
1: Yeah, not to, it didn't have a whole ton to do with Bill and Ted, but Bill and Ted were kind of the, they were the heroes and they were kind of the narrators, but it wasn't really about the Bill and Ted world. It was about whatever was happening in pop culture at the time uh, for that year of the show. And uh, they really liked to to push the limits of what you could do <laughs> uh, in terms of what society would accept. Uh, eventually, when I when I say there's one thing in Bill and Ted that I found kind of sketchy and that was not fun. Uh, Bill and Ted's annual show at Halloween's Horror Nights was uh, there were many offensive things in those shows, many many, and they tried to push it as far as they could. And actually, that's ultimately what got got them shut down, as uh, they pushed it to the limit a little too far. Although I enjoyed the one we saw, which would have yeah, been 2010. Yes during the 20th anniversary of Halloween Horror Nights at uh, Universal Studios in Florida. Uh, it was really fun to get to see Bill and Ted again in any carnation, even though it wasn't the original actors playing them. It was uh, stage actors from Universal.
0: Yep, and it was very unexpected to us at the time, so it was extra special because of that.
1: Yeah, we had we had no idea when we went there. Um, Bill and Ted still continues to be referenced in pop, popular culture. You'll see it pop up here and there. Uh, the latest appearance, which I referenced earlier, as it was mentioned in Marvel's Avengers Endgame. And you'll see it pop up here and there around. Uh, we'd be remiss, of course, um, when talking about a fun movie like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, if we skip talking about the music... Music was a very integral part of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and there are montages that were basically music videos. Um, The score was created by David Newman. David Newman, and there were many songs woven into the soundtrack as well. Because this movie did not have a huge budget by 1980s uh, standards, um, they didn't exactly have any giant names on their soundtrack. Um, There was one or two bands who are kind of, people knew them, but they weren't super famous. One band that became much more famous later. uh, Names like Shark Island, Big Pig, Tora Tora, Vital Signs, Bricklin, uh, these were not giant household names no. at the time that the movie came out. However, I really like the songs. Most of the, almost every song on oh. Bill and Ted's soundtrack is uh, amazing. The uh, ultimate example would be Play With Me, which is a song by Extreme, which would uh, later go on to some fame due to their complex ballads. But this is actually uh, an 80s hard rock song, kind of merged with some sections that are stolen from classical music, and it has one of the best guitar solos ever put to tape, in my opinion. Nice. It, uh, it's amazing, and it is played at the perfect point in the movie. It really enhances things. There's a band called Power Tool that plays a song called Two Heads Are Better Than One at the very end of the movie, during the end credits. Um, Power Tool is actually Dweezil Zappa along with the brothers from the band Nelson. Um, Apparently, the three of them decided to do the song together and call themselves Power Tool, even though no one knew who Power Tool was at the time. Um, There are some songs that were in the movie that are actually not on the soundtrack, and we looked some of them up and listened to them. And uh, Most of them, we could figure out where they went in the movie. Um, There was a song called Game of War by Warrant, and Warrant was certainly popular in the late 1980s. Um but somehow that didn't make it onto the soundtrack maybe maybe they recorded it for the soundtrack and because there was delay in releasing the movie it kind of mm. changed hands in the studio that was going to release it maybe Warrant became popular in between that maybe and they said oh we don't want to pay to have that song that expensive song on our on our soundtrack I don't know this is just speculation um there was a song called Party Up by someone called Rory R O R I party up. And we could not find this song anywhere. So if you know from the late eighties or mid to late eighties, Rory, who did a song called party up for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, please shoot us an email at party at super sci-fi party dot com. That's party at super sci-fi party dot com. And remember sci-fi has a hyphen in the middle. Uh, let us know about Rory. Who that is, what they are, if you can send us a link to the song, even better. If you are, Rory, we'd love to hear the story <laughs> and try to figure out uh, and hear why it didn't make it to the soundtrack. Um, Do you have anything did... else to say about the music to Bill and Ted? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, uh, it's a really great soundtrack. I actually think um, it's, even though the sequel of course, once Bill & Ted's proven to be popular, more popular acts want to be on the yeah. soundtrack, and there's more money to hire higher-end talent for the second one, but I actually like the soundtrack to, to the original movie the best, Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure.
0: I, I, too, prefer the original versus Bogus Journey, as far as the soundtrack goes.
1: They're both, they're both really good, but right. uh, Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure is the classic. Um, like all sci-fi properties... Or almost every sci-fi property that becomes famous, uh, they have merch.
0: Merch, merch, merch.
1: Bill and Ted had a decent amount of merch um, for being a movie at a time when there wasn't necessarily a whole ton of merch for for uh, low-budget films. Um, Bill and Ted Play-Doh Fun Factory uh, was something that existed <laughs> at the time. Uh, Kenner made Bill and Ted action figures. Uh, there were there were Ted bobbleheads by knockers because head knockers. Sorry, Ted bobblehead <laughs> by head knockers. It's an important word I skipped. Um, because, but there is no Bill bobblehead. There's only a Ted because Keanu Reeves went on to become more famous. So sadly, they only made still unbelievable. They no. only made a Ted. Yeah, head knockers. If you still exist as a company, we demand the Bill bobblehead. Uh, and believe it or not, there was actually Bill and Ted's cereal. Wow. You can still score wow. boxes of that on eBay, but I highly mm. recommend you do not eat it.
0: it is, what flavor is Bill and Ted cereal? I mean, just... uh, It's
1: the flavor of fun. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I can guarantee you the flavor now, if you buy that off of eBay and try to eat it, is going to be uh, the flavor of a trip to the ER. So de- you definitely don't want to do that. Mm, the flavor of pre-vomit. <laughs> The flavor of getting your stomach pump and pumped and hopefully surviving. Bill and Ted's cereal. Uh, current merch. I poked around to see what current merch there is. Um, and these are all going to be listed on our super sci-fi party dot com. Uh, we're going to have a whole blog post dedicated to the episode. It's going to include uh, what we said and it's going to include a little bit more information about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's SuperSciFiParty.com. Remember, sci-fi is hyphenated. Um, there's going to be links to the current merch that I found. Things I've poked around and found a couple of things that I really liked. Um, Etsy seemed to have a huge amount of Bill & Ted's merchandise. Really? I have to admit, some of it was really awesome. Uh, there was a um, something that really goes with the times that we're living in now. There was a Be Excellent to Each Other face mask. Nice. Like if you wanted to uh, be safe out in public. Avoid the virus. Um, It would be tough to say no to a be excellent to each other face mask. Be excellent to each other, of course, is the main. It became kind of the slogan of the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movie. um, It's part of the presentation at the end uh, when they're doing their history project. So you'll see a lot of Bill and Ted merchandise that says be excellent to each other. There were Bill, Bill and Ted's slip-on Vans shoes, if you know the Vans brand nice. of shoes, kind of low tops. How do they one has, uh,
0: they'd just be like skater shoes now?
1: Yeah, but that's the description if you uh, want to get it off yeah. of Etsy. Bill and Ted's slip-on Vans shoes. Nice. And one has Bill's face on it, one has Ted's face on it. <laughs> they are classic. Uh, be excellent to, There was a Be Excellent to Each Other laser-carved wooden sign. Nice. Which looked really nice if uh, you wanted to decorate your room with it or your living room. Uh, there's actually no allusion to Bill and allusion, not illusion, allusion to Bill and Ted on it. If you know it's Bill and Ted, you're like, "That's cool." Or if you just think it says "Be excellent to each other," that's always great advice. Um, and a fun thing I found also was a Wild Stallions hoodie. <laughs> and again, it's W Y L D S T A L L Y N S Wild Stallions, Bill and Ted's future band. Or I guess it was their current band that was going to be future famous and become the basis of society. Uh, There, so you can still get a Wild Stallions hoodie. Uh, Check those out at sci dot com. Uh, There are links to all that merchandise.
0: All right, we're going to do a quick throwback to the cereal. Google has told me that it was made by Ralston Purina. As in the people who make dog food. (laughs) I was just going
1: to say. Excellent makers of dog food. Yes.
0: The cereal was cinnamon flavored and had many marshmallows in it.
1: And if this episode gets 5,000 listeners, we are going to do a video on our YouTube channel of Scott actually eating Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure yes. cereal that we bought from the 80s off of uh, <laughs> eBay. Sounds good. It'll be the last mm. thing he ever does. No. 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 no we- <laughs> Maybe we'll buy some and open it up And just show people what it looks like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they resembled Kibbles and
1: bits Wow So Purina made the Bill and Ted cereal That looked like kibbles and bits yeah. See, Bill and Ted is always fun there's always, They always, no matter what it is There's a way to make it more fun If I had known that it was That it was made by the Dafu people back then I would have had to try some Just to see what it tasted like um, oh, we're man. wrapping things up here at super sci-fi party.com. Again, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please hit us up on email at party at super sci-fi party.com. And, uh, remember sci-fi is spelled S C I hyphen F I party at super sci-fi party.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, or any personal Bill and Ted stories you'd like to tell us, or things about the production, or if you were involved in the movie in any way, we would definitely like to hear from you. Um, We are still Bill and Ted fans to this day, and speaking of sequels, the one sequel I forgot to mention is um, Keanu Reeves, finally agreed to it, Bill and Ted Part 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is coming out this summer, 2020, Ooh, bad timing. Yeah. I bet they really, they're like, wow, after waiting for so many decades, we finally decided to make Bill & Ted Part 3, and now all movies are shut down and no one can go, at least in the United States right now, but uh, things are slowly opening up worldwide, and I'm not going to express an opinion one way or the other on that fact, but uh, it is coming, Bill & Ted Part 3, Bill & Ted Face the Music is coming out this summer, and... Bill and Ted are playing themselves, and they're actually going to be playing the age they are now. So it's going to be a 50-year-old Bill (laughs) and Ted, and apparently they're going to have daughters. So there will be a younger generation. Makes sense. As well. So that's going to be something um, I really, really want it to be good. Oh, yes.
0: Regardless, I'm going to watch it. Of Of course.
1: course. (laughs) We're going... Uh, I'm going to watch many it. As, times. Going to watch it as well, but it just—it's one of those things where it's either going to be really good or it's just really going to be a swing and a miss. Maybe they'll finally introduce the time traveling van. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> they can go steal it from the Avengers and have a big crossover. Yes. Now that's a movie I think everyone would want to see. Um, so if you want to see 50-year-old Bill and Ted, and let's face it, we all do because we want to see how it turned out what the rest of the story is, how they became the basis of future society and uh, whether or not they still like excellent water slides. (laughs) These are things inquiry minds want to know. So Bill and Ted part three coming out this summer. Uh, Look for it. I don't know if it'll be at theaters or if it'll be streaming or everything. Who knows? Just look for it. Just, just look for it. Bill and Ted part three. Coming summer of 2020. And this is going to wrap it up for us here at Super Sci-Fi Party. Uh, Didn't go too bad for our first episode. What do you think? Eh, not bad. Painful in every single way. But uh, people will never know it. Thanks to the magic of editing, editing, editing. <laughs> and boy, did we need to edit this one. <clears throat> Definitely. Although, thankfully, we chose a topic that we were uh, fairly well informed on. So it wasn't... It wasn't that bad. It's not like we picked something that we had only seen to talk about for the podcast. True. We've been diehard Bill and Ted fans for decades. Pretty much since it came out. Pretty much. Even though we were born 15 years later, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. See, it's one of those time travel paradoxes. (laughs) We time traveled back (laughs) to watch Bill and Ted and then came forward to when we were born. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so join us next time on Super Sci-Fi Party because remember, science fiction is only fiction until someone comes along and makes it into science fact. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.